Good morning again and welcome to Trinity. It's a joy and privilege to be able to remind each other that Jesus is worthy and worth it. All the things that we face and experience in life compete against that. And we have the privilege of our presence together to remind each other that Jesus is indeed worthy. And Jesus is worth it. What we're doing today, what we do throughout the week, living out our lives, following after him. He is worthy and he is worth it. We get to turn now to his word as we think about the significance of the church together as a church family. And if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you are. And I hope that you're encouraged as we are wrestling together with the significance of the church. What is this thing that we belong to? How is it so significant and why? And what is it to look like, both in its structure and in its character? For the past few weeks, we've been talking about the structure components of the church Membership, elders, and now deacons. And this is the third week of three on deacons. And I promised three, and we are wrapping it up uh, this week uh, with our third one. And we're going to look again at our passage from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, to remind ourselves again, not just the qualifications of the person who would serve as a deacon, but really think about what the kind of work this is pointing to in the life of a church why it's so important, and how it's an extension of Jesus' care for the church. So let's read these words again. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. Then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and manage his children and household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word, we ask that you would do a work in us. You would help us now as we turn our attention to your truth. It is a familiar passage. We've been here for three weeks now. Um, And so God, will you freshly do a good work as we look at it together. May it be to your glory, to the good of our church, and we would even pray that this would be to the salvation of those who are far from you. Without hope, without you, would you draw near? Uh, We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know what? It's important for us to to stress this, and, and I mean this Genuinely, a healthy church is not a perfect church. Perfect church does not exist, but it doesn't mean it can't be healthy. We can have health and not be perfect. A church that recognizes its purpose, plans to live that purpose out in what it believes and how it functions, and a church that encourages and equips each other and others To see that Jesus is indeed worthy and worth it along the way, that's the kind of health that we want to be and we're thankful for and we want to strive for. A healthy church, as we've been looking here in Timothy, is also an organized church. It has a committed people with humble leadership and elders and deacons. That's part of the health. It contributes to the health is to have that sort of organized structure within the church. This is God's design for us to be healthy. 
And my hope is that our time in these pastoral letters will encourage and inspire us to be that sort of healthy church. And as we think about it, and as we're coming to the end of three weeks talking about deacons in light of some bylaw changes that we have changes that we have proposed to you to move from trustees to deacons to incorporate the full breadth of what we find in scripture associated with this role. My hope is that that there would even be some of us moved to want to be deacon-like, whether by title or by action, because we see how important it is to the health of the church. That's my hope. And so we need to see and, and look at. Um, the reality that we need deacons who serve well. That's where the passage ends. That's where we'll end together. We need deacons who serve well. So we're going to take some time to think about what that looks like and then uh, practically what that may look like for our church going forward. So first is deacons who serve well, they do something. They facilitate ministry. They help Ministry happened. They are doing ministry. They're serving and working and laboring to encourage and and help others. But as they do that, they're actually helping the church be able to go about doing ministry. So deacons who serve well facilitate ministry. And there are three things I want to draw out. So they do that by serving with mercy through stewardship. Deacons serve well, facilitating ministry in the life of a church, helping facilitate good health in a church by serving themselves with mercy through stewardship. So let's consider those together this morning. First up is by serving. Um, Serving well leads to an excellent influence. Look again at verse 13, where the passage ends. It says this, Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and a great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus, both for them personally, but also there's something good for the church in the midst of this. And so we see that serving well is the goal here. We want deacons who serve well. And at the heart of the work of deacon is at the heart of the word itself, and that is service. The word obviously meaning to serve or service or servant is The overarching work of a deacon, it's service. And there's a number of things about this service that we see in the pages of the New Testament. It's a tangible service, it's a practical service, it's an intentional service, and it's a selfless service. It's tangible. We see deacons serve to meet practical needs in the church. The practical needs being met help the church continue on its work, its worship, and its witness in its community. We need practical help. It's just the reality of finances and facilities and schedules and calendars and so forth. We need helpers to help make that happen. It's practical. So it's another step further. Deacons serve in relatable and relevant ways. They're caring for the needs as they arise. And so we want deacons who are equipped with hearts and skill sets to be able to serve practically in ways that are relevant to the needs of the church. It's intentional. Deacons serve by reacting to and anticipating the needs of the church, congregational needs. And it's selfless. Deacons serve as The church has needs, not according to their own conditions. 
So it's important that we get that idea of what it means to serve. We want deacons who serve well. We want people serving well, tangibly, practically, intentionally, and selflessly. And to serve well, deacons need to, one, as our passage has laid out for us, meet the character qualifications. They need to be humble and hopeful. They need to be tested and sincere. They need to be living it out, in a sense, before the title is handed to them. That their heart and their actions, their disposition of their heart for others and their actions following that heart are evident and relevant. We also need deacons to serve well. They need to be thoughtful and organized. In order to serve tangibly, practically, and intentionally, deacons need to be willing and able. They need willingness, a humble heart ready to selflessly serve. They need to be able. They need to organize um, the things to be able to uh, enables them to serve. Organized preparation enables the ability to serve. All of this is contributing to the health of the church. And so we want to have, ex- uh, we want to have deacons who serve well. And serving well leads to an excellent influence. Look back again at verse 13. Those who serve, have served well gain an excellent standing. An excellent standing. Refers to the standing and influence deacons have in the life and culture of a church. The impact of a, a deacon team who serves tangibly and practically, intentionally and selflessly with thoughtful organization It's called excellent. This is good for the church to have. It's a behind-the-scene kind of thing that helps the things that are out front continue to do what they're doing. Or Or the things that we do within our community to continue to do what they're doing. And it's called excellent. It's good for us. It's good for our church. It's good for our witness in our community. So I want, to think, I want you to think about this healthy cycle that happens. A healthy cycle that shapes the church. Think about the sort of culture of a church that raises up the kind of deacons that helps foster the sort of culture that raises up these kind of deacons. Do you follow that? It made sense in my head. The words make sense, I think. But a culture of the church that brings about, encourages, inspires, and brings up people who want to serve like this is only going to impact in a healthy way the culture of a church that's going to continue to bring up people who want to serve like this. And what is that going to do? Well, that's going to be infectious. You're going to want to be around people in a community, in a culture of a church then in a sense, by God's grace, produces the kind of people who want to serve like this. To a world that is lost and adrift, to come into contact with a community of people who are living out in very tangible, practical, intentional, and selfless ways, hands and feet of the care that Jesus has for the church, to experience that is so counter-cultural to everything that they've lived that it is... Like it is striking. It's it's almost like too good to be true. To be in that sort of context where that's happening. 
tells me that there's other kinds of good and healthy things, that we're caring for one another well, that we're intentional about treasuring Jesus through all of life, that all of this stuff that we say we believe in, all the stuff that we sing, and all the stuff that we pray, it actually really does matter in our hearts and our lives together. I think it gives us a little bit of credence. This is real for us. So there's good health that comes from this. It's called excellent. And while we're talking about the structure of the church, I know that's not the most like, exciting topic to get into as a preaching series. But my hope is that it's inspiring and encouraging you that, that we all play a part in the health and the culture of our church community. As members, as elders, as deacons, working together for God's glory in our lives, in our church, and in the world around us. As I noted last week, we want to follow God's design and structure for the church so that we can show that God is worthy and he's worth it. By following his design and living that out, we want to show to each other, remind each other, rehearse to each other every week we gather together that God is worthy and he's worth it. So all the obstacles and distractions and discouragements that we face week in and week out, we get together and our physical presence is a reminder to one another that God is worthy and is worth it. The kind of care that we extend to each other, whether it's through the title of a deacon or not, is helping us see that God is worthy and he's worth it. When we have so many things, I want to pull us away from that. And our own hearts want to run complicit with it. God is worthy and God is worth it. So we want to follow his design and structure for the church. And we want to do that so that we can strengthen and encourage and equip each other to keep going, to keep pressing, to keep believing, to keep trusting, to keep living. Because God is worthy and he's worth it. And we want to do this, and we want to have this structure so that people that are without God and without hope, they can find life in Jesus Christ. Healthy church matters. It's not a perfect church, but a healthy church matters. And so we need deacons to serve well. We want them to serve in this way. Tangibly, practically, intentionally and selflessly. Another dynamic that we see with deacons is that we want to see them serve well with mercy. Serving well is showing mercy. Again, this is an extension of Jesus' care for people, for the church. And so it's a, it's a way of us serving or showing mercy. Uh, Pastor Tim Keller had spent a lot of thoughtful, practical focus on equipping his church in Manhattan to be a place that had deacons who served well with mercy. And to illustrate the aspect, oh, yikes, sorry. Um, I just jumped right off my ear. You all saw that, right? Um, to illustrate the aspect of the deacon's work, Keller drew attention to the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. That's a familiar parable. You may not know your Bible well. It's new to you right now, and you're you're sort of getting your grip on it, or maybe you read it a lot when you were younger and, and you have sort of a familiar story of the Good Samaritan. In the parable, a, a man was beaten and he was robbed and left for dead on the side of a road. Two people passed him, a priest and a Levite. These would be, say, your official offices within the life of a church. These would be leaders in a church, recognized, set-out leaders. They passed by this beaten, robbed, and left for dead man as if he wasn't there. Then along comes a third, a Samaritan, who was an entirely different 
group of people that had a lot of animosity with the very people that Jesus was speaking this parable to, an unexpected helper showed compassion and mercy. And Keller was using this to kind of say, hey, the, the mercy work of a, of a deacon is following after the actions of the Samaritan. So we'll pick it up in Luke chapter 10 when the Samaritan comes onto the scene. So that's Luke 10, verses 33 through 35. And I'll just note all of the action verbs associated with the Samaritan here. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, the robbed man, beaten and left for dead. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Note what the Samaritan did. Saw him, had compassion, went to him, bound up his wounds, brought him to a place where he had extended care. So on one level, when you look at the, the, the Samaritan, this sort of care, this sort of service, this mercy, if you will, providing this care, this mercy, was costly and inconvenient. It was costly both financially and it was costly in terms of time. Whatever he was doing, wherever he was going, it it took up his time. It was inconvenient to him. He had an extra extended stop that he had to care for. Except for the fact that it wasn't an inconvenience and it wasn't a cost. Because the Samaritan was operating out of a place of compassion. The compassion, this mercy in action, trumped the cost and the convenience factors of giving and serving in this way. And so Keller makes the the link to the the work of a deacon, who's at the heart of the, the work of a deacon is this service, the serving others in need. Deacons are among the congregation, and where they see needs, they're to move into compassionate action. Just like the Samaritan did. He saw and moved, went to, bound up, moved toward the need with mercy. Deacons are to move toward the needs with mercy. And deacons serve with mercy, not saddled by cost or conveniences. I mean, think about the nature of this parable and think about the nature of our lives and some of the tough seasons of life that happened to us. Were any of those planned? Did you plan that? Did you write that down in your journal? Hey, this week I think I want something really terrible to go wrong in my life. No, you didn't do that. They happened unexpectedly. They're unpredictable. Therefore, mercy is not to be relegated to what fits our timetables. Because none of our crisis, none of our unpredictable, unexpected seasons and challenges of life are going to come to anybody's timetable of convenience. So deacons who serve in, in, in this way, who extend this mercy, have hearts that are ready to act out of compassion. That are equipped and called and released to work in the ways that it's needed in the moments it's needed. Some of you are doing that. You're caring for each other, regardless of convenience to you and your time or your finances. And it's a beautiful picture of the kind of care that Jesus has for us. In a church that does that in more and more ways, 
is, is putting off something beautiful to broken and hurting and wounded and weary and wandering folks. Maybe some of us or maybe others who will come along into our church family. And we'll come into a context where there's more and more people who move to compassionate action. I think God is a very good designer of things. I think there's a very good design to this role. And I think we would all love to have this in a very pronounced and beautiful way in our church. A couple of weeks ago, I had likened deacons as the church's first responders to the various kinds of mercy-related needs. By seeing and going to and binding up and helping deacons are tangible hands and feet extensions of Jesus' care for the church. Do you want to be a part of a church where this sort of care is purposed, planned, promoted? I mean, what sort of care will this communicate to those in need, to those watching if we really believe this stuff about treasuring Jesus? So we have a wonderful privilege of being able to serve well um, and with mercy. And by God's grace, we can do that by serving well through stewardship. Serving well by preparing to do so. By preparing to do so. In order for deacons to facilitate ministry of service and mercy, they need to steward the resources well. There's an inherent call to stewardship in the role of a deacon. It's the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. That's what stewardship means. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. They say, and, and, and for those of you in here who are sports fans, they say avail- availability is the best ability. So if your favorite player is never available, then his great abilities or her great abilities won't matter much, will, she, will they? So stewardship is making service and mercy available in the life of a church. Stewarding well actually opens up the possibilities and the availability to serve tangibly and practically and intentionally and selflessly. And stewardship opens up the door and the possibility to serve with mercy in our moments of need and crisis and unexpected challenges. Without stewardship, we won't have the means by which to do those with that sort of level of care and attention. So it is inherent. We saw that play out when we looked at Acts 6 a few weeks ago. Acts 6, a crisis hits the church. The apostles were being diverted from their primary role of preaching and teaching and prayer. So they, in cooperation with the congregation, appointed seven to oversee the practical mercy needs in the church. Let's look again at Acts 6, 2 through 5. So the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. Their duty that they were appointed to wasn't merely to just simply wait tables, as sometimes the word might imply. 
That actually conveys a very narrow sense. But think about the work that they were called to do. They were to minister the, and steward the resources of the church so that the widows from all the backgrounds that were coming into the church were getting their daily distribution in such a way that it was meeting needs. Now, I know that Scripture doesn't explicitly say the word stewardship, but I think you and I know the human element just enough to realize that to be able to pull that off required a level of stewardship from the seven to organize and keep in order and to keep in in process if you will the means by which they were able then to help the widows on a daily basis stewardship is needed to tackle this significant logistical practical intentional mercy work stewardship was needed. And we need the same sort of care for our deacons to be able to serve well and to serve with, with mercy. And these ideas of serving well with mercy through stewardship or an extension of Jesus' care for the church helps us be healthy. So what will that potentially look like? We have proposed to you through our uh, updated proposed bylaws um, and an expansion of what is currently called the trustees. Trustees are serving in such a way they're kind of filling the, the stewardship component of deacon work, but we want to really bring into greater cohesion the works of service and mercy under the umbrella of a deacon team. And so I want to just talk quickly and a little practically about what that may look like for us. So deacons at Trinity, what this could look like, a, a proposal that we have for our bylaws is that we would have a deacon team that would be made up of three teams focused on the specific works that we have laid out here. The first that we will highlight is the deacons of stewardship. And as I've noted already, that our trustees are fulfilling this role. They steward the finances in our facilities so that ministry can continue. They meet once a month, but many of them are doing things throughout the month. They're tackling all of the things, all of the logistics, all of the stuff that you don't really see. But they're doing that diligently with stewardship so that we, we resource the ministries that are happening in the church. Our current trustees, um, like I said, fill this role. And they'll carry on with our proposal. If the proposed bylaws passes, our current trustees will carry over to deacons of stewardship. According to our current bylaws, they have to meet the qualifications it says in the bylaws of our deacons and deaconesses. And so they've already gone through that process, if you will. And so in the future, we would see them carry over to our deacons of stewardship. There are other kinds of deacons that we need, not just those with the heart and, and capacities for stewardship, but those for also of service. And that's another team, a, a subset team, if you will, of the broader deacon team, deacons of service. They will have the authority to organize the church to care for normal needs within the church. Things like hospitality or accommodations for fellowship, service, events, and so forth. They will have the responsibility to go ahead and anticipate needs that we would other not, otherwise not realize. Things that they have, they're being mindful of in, in either our facility or the way that our ministries are coordinating and functioning together. They want to serve so that ministry can continue on and grow and expand. They'll meet as they would have need. They'd meet together 
and work through the needs of service as they come forth. Thirdly, we see deacons of mercy. And deacons of mercy will help facilitate mercy needs within our church by coordinating our care ministries with the congregation, helping connect people to prayer support or Stephen ministry support or financial support, and likewise, the moments of mercy in crisis. Those who are first responders of care and compassion in those moments. Again, similar to those of service, they they are bound by the need as they arise, but they would be quickly dispatched to those works. And so our hope is that we would see this go through and that we would have a deacon team who will serve well by helping facilitate ministry in our church. And what is that? Well, just as a quick reminder, as Trinity, we exist to make disciples who treasure Christ through all of life. I'd love for our church to be elder-led, deacon-served, congregational-lived. That that would be a picture of this beautiful structure that God has in place for our healthy church. So we get to gather together and make much of him together in worship. That we pour out our lives into each other's and building each other up in this community. That we live together on purpose, on mission so that others may know. Others may know the greatness and the grace of our Savior. In his little book, Deacons, Matt Smethurst has this line. A church without biblically functioning deacons will be perpetually distracted from its central mission of making disciples. This organized Intentional, tangible, practical, selfless team that, that serves with mercy through stewardship helps us function and as God would have us and encourage us all the more to live those things out in our lives as we see it happening more and more in our church. So just by way of recapping, deacons serve well They facilitate ministry by serving with mercy through stewardship. And this sort of deacon team is an instrumental piece for the health of our church, displaying what health looks like and cultivating that very kind of health by the way they serve. I hope many of you are moved to think deeply about being deacon or deacon-like. Sure, in name, but more importantly, in action we certainly need it. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would indeed do this good work in us, in our church, and as we think through things together as what it, look like, what it looks like to be uh, Trinity Baptist Church, I pray that you would help us to embrace the things that you have called us to be. And so God, I pray that for those who are in this church body, who call Trinity home, whose hearts are, are, are moved toward serving well, Uh, serving intentionally, serving with mercy, serving through stewardship, that it would be something infectious, that it would cause them to want to cultivate that all the more in the life of our church, that you would lead us as we wrestle with these things in terms of our structure, that it would be done to your glory, that it would be done to our good, that it would be done to be a healthy place where lost people can be saved. God, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.